0: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Today's Focus for Saturday, October the 28th, 2023, at 12.39 p.m. Central Time. Today's focus? Very simple. Proverbs 27, verse seven, Proverbs 27 verse seven. Before I read it, this is one of those situations where we were, I just was doing a live broadcast. They made a reference to Proverbs 27 seven. And as soon as they made a reference to it, I know I was supposed to be reviewing audio, right? Because in the last broadcast we were reviewing audio. So they made a. So in the audio we were reviewing, I know I didn't explain that very well. We were reviewing audio. They made a reference to Proverbs 27.7. I was speaking as if everyone knew what happened in the last live broadcast. We were reviewing audio. They made reference to Proverbs 27.7. As soon as they made reference to it, I know I was supposed to be listening as what moved forward, but my brain was fighting me saying, I know they want to talk about this, but Proverbs 27, 7, Proverbs 27, 7, Proverbs 27, 7. So finally I had to tell my brain, shh, be quiet. And then I finished reviewing that audio, focused on the other things that they talked about, Matthew chapter 19, et cetera. But then at the end, I told everyone, all right. Today, I want you to work on Proverbs 27.7, right? So I kind of handed that to everyone. And then when the broadcast ended, I'm like, well, then immediately I started working on Proverbs 27.7. And so then I thought, you know what? Since I'm sitting here already in the studio and I'm already telling people to work on Proverbs 27.7, let's just turn around, go live and say your today's focus is Proverbs 27.7 and see what we can just come up with on the spot and see if we can accomplish something with it so are you ready proverbs twenty seven seven now because it is a proverb typically what comes before and comes after doesn't really have offer any help clarification rarely does it provide any context Second, it is a proverb now, this is very important proverbs offer general principles. Sometimes people take these general principles and try to turn them into an absolute promise, an absolute guarantee. I think that can be detrimental and very destructive. I think they offer general principles. Generally, this is the way things work. You can always try to find exceptions. And we could talk about that, but I think that's typically how we should understand it. But Proverbs 27, 7, a lot of people take it not so much as a general principle, but they try to connect it to spiritual things, not so much more practical, material, physical, but more spiritual realities. And so we may, we may try to try to take this principle to the spiritual. We will see. We'll just see how this may have a practical impact on your life. Because to me, the practical implications I don't know what you do with the practical implication. Like to me, there would be only one solution for the practical implication. And I don't think anybody would want to hear that practical implication, right? Because it could be very negative. But let's just jump in and see what we can do with it. Remember, these are on the spot, impromptu thoughts, right? This has not been well thought out and studied. This is me saying, hey, today I'm focusing on this. Join me as we focus on this together. Here's my initial attempt to try to process it live on the air. And then hopefully what typically happens is then I get emails and then we kind of build together. And then sometimes we come back to it and then we can add more clarity to it. But are you ready? Here we go. On this Saturday, October the 28th, 2023, I got my Bible open, physical Bible, a brand uh, well, kind of, it's it's relatively new, a couple of, uh, what, a week now, uh I've had it for a week. I'm really loving this Bible. I really, really do love this Bible. So I may, this may be, I may try to buy another one just so I have a backup when I wear this one out. Uh, this is a, K, a KJV uh, thin line Bible uh, from Hallman uh, B- uh, Bible Publishers, and I really, I really love this thing. I, I think it was Lifeway who emailed me and basically like it's Bible Day and we're giving massive discounts. I got this thing for so cheap. And when I, when I, I thought, well, we'll see. And when I opened up the box and saw it, I was like, whoa, this thing is awesome. So, all right, there you go. I know you don't care, Proverbs 27.7, but it, it may, it may, 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 may fit into what we're about to talk about. Here we go. Proverbs twenty seven seven. thinking caps on. Here we go. Here is your today's focus. The full soul, the soul that is absolutely full loatheth, and honeycomb. But to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. The full soul, the soul that is absolutely full, will loathe the honeycomb. And it seems that in the Bible, the honeycomb speaks of something that was very desirable. That's why we we read in Psalm 19, in Psalm 19, we read these words, Psalm 19, speaking of the word of God, the word of God is to be desired, more to be desired are they, the word of God, than gold, yea, much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. The word of God is to be desired, it is it, more than gold and more than the honey or the honeycomb. And it's like, in other words, that's stated in a way that would be like, whoa, you're telling me God's word is more important than gold and the honeycomb? Like, and, But the honeycomb seemed to have great, it, it must have been because of its taste. And it was something that was, you know, everybody would want it and desire it. It was something really great. And it's like God's word is to be desired. Well, here it says the person's soul who is full will literally loathe the honeycomb. And you're like, who could loathe that? But then, but, this is one of those kind of contrasting, but to the hungry soul, to the person whose soul is hungry, every bitter thing is sweet. See, to the soul that is full, the thing that is very sweet, the honey and the honeycomb, they loathe it. But to the one who is hungry, even something that is bitter, something that is that doesn't taste near as good. Oh, you're like, oh, this is the best tasting thing I've ever had. You're like, really? That's all. That's gross. Well, I'm hungry. But to the one who's full, they're like, honeycomb, whatever. Give me something better. Find me something. Okay. I don't know. I don't know the accent I'm going for here. Find me something better. Bring me something better. I want something more than the honey and the honeycomb. I loathe the honeycomb. I'm tired of it. I want something better. Now, it seems to be a straightforward principle, right? The basic idea, the more you have, the more you have, The greater chance you find less pleasure. The more you have, the less pleasure you take in what you have. And the less you have, the more pleasure you take in what you have. The more you have, the less pleasure. You take it for granted. The less you have, oh, you take everything. You don't take anything for granted. You appreciate everything you have. Now, this seems to be a general principle. And we, we can see, I, I, they all, I, I, I don't know how else to convey this. I will, I will try to convey it utilizing, I'll try to use a music, uh, music as the best way for me to explain it. Only because I've lived through this. And at times I get very, 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 very mad at myself because of it. So let me give you an example. All right. So I'll try. For me, music. Right. You can condemn me for this, whatever you want. I, I There's just no, I, look, I, I cannot state this in any other way. Music in my life clearly would reach the level of idolatry, probably, probably more so than I even would like to admit. I love music. I love music. Can I stress that? I love music. I like, love to take an album, listen to it, analyze it. Think about it. Process it. I love it. I love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. And there was a day in my life to purchase an album. I didn't have a lot of money. So whenever I purchased an album and I would bring that album home and I would, you know, op- open up the wrapper, right? Okay. Look at the liner notes. Pull out. If it was an LP, pull out the LP. So I would literally take the, the paper Smell it. I love the smell of it. Touch it. Touching the paper. Touch the sides of the LP. Obviously, you don't touch the grooves. You know, you don't want to get your fingerprints on it. Touch it. Look at it. Right. Make sure I clean it really good. Make sure my uh, stylus was clean. And place the needle on it. And just sit back and listen. I paid hard-earned money for that, right? So then I had a physical. There was touch. There was sight. There was smell. There was there was a invested interest in it. And so I would, every album was a a journey into like a new world. And I would live in those songs and analyze it and sometimes create my own stories from it. And I loved it. And I cherished every single album. And then on the days where, you know, I I mean, it was pretty frequent in my life. I would be waiting at the door, uh, you know, waiting for the, the record store to open. I know I'm dating myself. But I would be waiting at the at the door for the record store to open, and uh, and as soon as it opened, I, I would come in. Sometimes. Not I did. This didn't happen all the time, but a lot of times I would be they they got used to me always being there, even when I was little. I was little. I was always at the record store. And um sometimes they would be like, so which album are you looking for today? And I'd be like, oh, I want this one. And sometimes they would let me open the box and pull them out because I hadn't yet put them up on the. Uh, and I was like, oh, this is so awesome. This is so awesome. This is so awesome. And but I could only and I could see, you know, I would walk around the record store for hours but I know I couldn't buy ninety nine point nine percent of everything. I could I could touch it. I could oh I could look at it. Going man, I wish I could buy this. But I would I always had to then I I would take it like I would pick five that I wanted, and then I would just go back and forth picking them up, looking at them, looking at them, looking, realizing I could only buy one, and then I then I would finally pick the one, uh, realizing that there were all those others I wanted. But man, I would I would cherish that album, live with it. I mean. I, I listened to every single song as many times as I could because it was, it was a, it was a unique thing. I did not have, I didn't have a lot. I had a little, right? And, and I remember and anytime I could earn extra money, I mean, I've told the story before uh, a good portion of my childhood, the money I, I was given by parents to, to spend at school for my school lunch. I didn't, I didn't use the money. I, I for the, my life, I went without food. I would go without food Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Sometimes it took two weeks. I would go two weeks without food during school and, so that I could save the money so that I could go to the record store the very next new music day so that I could buy me I, I went without food to get music, and whatever music I could get, I never loathed it. Even if it wasn't my favorite, I found some way to do something with it because I was hungry. So even an album that was not my favorite, I still, it was still sweet because it was music. It was, it was something awesome. But guess what? One day, and I know it, it didn't quite go this way, but it felt like all of a sudden one day I woke up and it was like, hey, 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 come here, come here, shh, come, here come here. And I'm like, yeah, and I'm like, hey. Tonight, at 11 p.m., meet me at the record store. And I'm like, okay, why? Why? Because this is going to be really cool. So at 11 p.m., I met them at the record store. And as soon as the clock hit 11, they were like, that's it. Go in. You can have anything. Take everything. I'm like, wait, what? Is this illegal? No. It's a, it's a new thing. You can go into the record store and you have access to everything. Just and I'm like, wait, what is happening right now? What is happening? And they're like, it's the new world of music streaming. You pay one um, one fee a month and you at every, every Thursday night at 11 p.m., all the new music will drop on that music streaming service and you can listen to anything. You can just go to this, 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 to this. Well, that's amazing. That's awesome. But you know what happens when you have access to everything? your appreciation decreases. You can't appreciate it as much anymore. You can't quite appreciate it. Those albums no longer become like, oh, I can only, look, if you only can have one, then that's the one you listen to over and over and over and over and over. Guess what happens when you listen to an album over and over and over and over? At some point, the album enters inside your DNA. It enters inside you. And so you can be anywhere at any time. And someone just starts playing notes of the song. And you're like, Dude, oh, that, that's track two on the album. And then the next song is this. And the next song is this. And the next song is this. And you know every word and you know the rhythm and you know the beat. You know the timing. You know, you know everything. You know, you know every inflection of the voice. You know, and you know every ooh, ah, everything because it became a part. Of it. But now. You listen to an album, then you go to another album, you go to another album. Or you may even have the tendency to go, "Eh, never mind, skip, go to another one. Skip, go to another. You don't sit there and live through every song. So guess what? The soul that is full. Now, in this case, it can lead to loathing the honeycomb. You begin to loathe it. You take it for granted. Now, but the person who is hungry, every bitter thing is sweet. So from a practical standpoint, the more you get, the more you have, the less you appreciate. Now, from a practical standpoint, what do you do? 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 What do, you do? That would seem to me that would seem to me that the only practical solution then would be. Will give up everything. Don't have everything. Have less of things. Give away more money so you don't have the ability to buy more things. And then you will appreciate more what you have. That seems to be the only solution there. I mean, how can you make yourself appreciate when you have so much? It's there's no, I don't know if there's a way just to try to convince your brain to do so. Maybe there's a way to pull that off. But I think in some ways, the only practical solution would be, well, then go back to being hungry. Go back to being hungry. Look, when you don't have anything, then, then everything can become so meaningful. That's why in some countries, some people just to own a Bible... I mean they cherish it. They, they they almost will have tears in their eyes when they touch one. I've got so many Bibles in this room that it's utterly ridiculous. I don't even know how many if I start walking around now counting all the Bibles currently in this room, I am not joking. It probably exceeds twenty. I have just on this table in front of me, I've got at least four I think I got five just on this table. And then if I look right down at the chair I'm sitting in, I see another one right there. I see two right down below my feet. So that's, that's seven just right here. Oh, and the chair behind me, there's eight. I, I, just in my initial eyesight. Oh, well, then if I look over there, there's probably 19. I'm probably at a 12 or 13 just looking around. I got Bibles literally everywhere. Literally everywhere. And if I start picking up things, I probably can find more. Oh, wait, there's, I'm sorry, there's even more on this table. I just moved my iPad. There's one underneath my iPad. They're literally everywhere. You know how easy it is to start taking that for granted? Or other people would be like, you have a Bible? Oh. So to, so, how do we make this? How do we apply this to? I'm not taking it even to our spiritual life at this point. I'm taking it to our practical life. What do we do with that? Because it's so easy for us to take it for granted. Now, I think we're very quick. Typically, as parents, we're very, very, very quick to see it in our kids. Right? You give your, you get your kids something, and they kind of look at it and going, "Oh, okay, thanks." And they kind of throw it to the side and then go do something else. You're like, "Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Back up! Back up! I just got you that." Don't you appreciate what you just got? Back when I was a kid, we walked three miles to school uphill in the snow barefoot. You better come back and appreciate it. All right. So we're really quick to find when our kids take it for granted. But whoa, back up. What are you taking for granted today? What, what, what Do you, your soul is full. What are you loathing today? What is the honeycomb that you're loathing today? What is the honeycomb that you're trampling underfoot? Because some margins, I think, literally have trample underfoot in the margins. I, I'm, I'm going from memory. I, my, I, I, my Bible, of course, I buy a Bible with no notes, no margins, no anything, because I just want the text. But I believe in some margins it has trample underfoot. That the full soul will literally trample the honeycomb underfoot. It's almost the idea they just smash it, just step on it where your foot. I don't even care. I don't even need it. I got so much. What what is the honeycomb you're loathing today? You're taking for granted. You're taking for granted. And and what areas of your life are you the hungry soul that even the smallest things are sweet to you? You're 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 cherishing what you have. I'll I'll try to give another example. Yesterday My day did not go according to my plan. I wanted to get some broadcast done. I wanted to listen to some music. I wanted to possibly watch some things. But it was one of those days where it's just every time I turned around, it just seemed like something was happening and things just spiraled out of control. One hour turned into two hours. Two hours turned into five hours. Five hours turned into 10 hours. And it's like, I didn't get this done, get this done, get this done. And I began to loathe everything. Well, guess what? All around me, I've got so much. I have so much around me, but I loathed all of it because all I cared about that, that point was... I wanted to get things done. The day did not go my way. So I didn't care what I had. I didn't care that I have a awesome looking television and, and stereo equipment and books. And I, I, lo- I didn't, care. nothing, nothing. I loathed it all because I was mad that things did not work out according to my plan. Now it's not exactly similar, but I felt, I realized I was just loathing what I had. In other words, I was just taking for granted what I had. Instead of going, man, I have so much. Yeah, the day didn't work out, but let's go enjoy what I do have. That's not a perfect illustration, but it it works. So in your life, where do you find yourself loathing the honeycomb? Because you're you're full. You have so much, but you're loathing what you have. It's right there in front of you. You're, You're loathing it. You're taking it for granted. It can be taken from you just like that. It could be gone just like that. And in what areas of your life you feel the hunger? And so even the smallest thing is sweet. When was the last time you felt yourself literally living a life where you felt even the smallest thing was so sweet? So you appreciated it so much. Now, again, I don't know how to fix this practically because practically it just seems like, hey, you've got so much. You're taking it for granted. Get get rid of it. Give it away. Give it away. Then, 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 then you can come back and and then then you'll appreciate what you have. I I don't know how to fix it practically. I, I really don't but how could this could this speak to us spiritually now what i did as i looked up at least one devotional commentary let me let me grab it really quick i got it right here and this is what they said the full soul loathes in parentheses treads underfoot And then they have M-A-R-G for margin. So somehow in their Bible, I don't know which Bible they're looking at. That's how it reads. I'm going to grab a different Bible here just to see. I think this one does have like things in the margin and notes and see here if they go with that concept. Uh, The full soul loatheth. And let's see here. I don't know what letter that is. Does it say that? Let me look here. Um, they don't have a footnote here. I thought they did. Yeah, I don't, I thought maybe they had a footnote. So I don't know where they're getting that footnote from. So I cannot, ver- ver- at this very moment, verify that dogmatically. But you can, you can do a little bit of work there. But the idea is the full soul loathes or treads underfoot, according to at least one commentary. And honeycomb. Again, treading it underfoot to me is very graphic. It's like, there's the honeycomb. Just smash it. I don't even care. I don't want it. Who cares? But to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. Now, this is how the commentary reads. This is a true figure as regards the enjoyment of this life. Abundance instead of increasing the happiness of the possessor, deprives him of the rest, which often belongs to a more scanty portion. So it actually, abundance, instead of increasing the happiness, it tends to deprive them of the happiness and of the enjoyment. Abundance is the enemy to enjoyment. Abundance is the enemy to satisfaction, to truly appreciating it. But those who have a smaller, less portion, they find greater enjoyment. That go, that seems counterintuitive. The more you have, the less you enjoy. The less you have, the more you enjoy. So do you want more? Do you want, or do you want, do you, do you want more things and have less enjoyment? Or do you want less things and more enjoyment? Which do you so choose in your life? And you see that a little bit. You see that a little bit. When I was young, uh, going to the movies was not something you got to – I mean I, I got to do it pretty a, – a pretty, a much more consistent than most kids, right? Most kids did not get to go to the movies as much as I did. My parents just used the movie theater as a babysitter. So when we were very, very, very little, we got dropped off at the Metro Movie Theater on Butternut Street in Abilene, Texas, and they showed two movies. And we got dropped off at what six o'clock in the evening, and got picked up at around it almost felt like eleven o'clock at night, midnight, whatever it was. And uh, that's that that was their babysitter. We got to go to the movies, but even when just uh, that was once a week. But even that, we never took those movies for granted, right? Because it's not like we could go home and watch movies, right? So we still took those for that we greatly appreciate. And then when I remember when the like the VCR come out, and I could go rent a movie. That was like wow this is so cool right but still you you every video rental you took like you appreciated it but now what's a movie to anyone in this generation yeah I can watch anything big deal it's a movie who cares there's a million of them available like there's no way they can appreciate it now, that doesn't mean I'm saying we should go back to the olden days where no, nobody has anything. But there, it does demonstrate this truth. The more you have, the less you appreciate. The less you have, the greater you appreciate. I don't know how we make that work in our practical lives. But let's see if they transfer this over into a more spiritual way. Let's see what they say. The man whose appetite is cloyed with indulgence turns with disgust from the sweetest dainties. While every bitter and distasteful thing is keenly relished by the hungry soul, perhaps just saved from starvation. So the one who has all the sweetest, the sweetest things, they'll turn from it and almost with a disgust. Yeah. But the person who just, in a sense, was saved from starvation, give me whatever. This is the most amazing food I've ever had in my life. And you're like, "Ah, that stuff is really trash. But it's... but. Hey, because you appreciate it, All right, But okay, where are they going to take this? Now, this is, now listen carefully. All right. This is very important. This healthful appetite is one of the many counterbalancing advantages of poverty. That's interesting. The sated uh, might well envy the luxury of a homely mill. The children of Israel, uh, after eating angels' food to the full, loathed and trod it underfoot as light bread. That's true. Remember when Israel was starving; they needed food. But once they started getting the manna, after a while they loathed it. At one point they were starving. Give us food, or we're going to die. Send us back to Egypt. And then they start getting the food, and they're like, "Oh, this is so good." And then after a while, they're like, "Ugh, we're so sick and tired of this." Okay, so we, we, once again, see, even played out there. Now, here's the question they ask. All right, and I skipped a little bit of that, but okay. All right, here we go. And is this not so in spiritual things? Is this not so in spiritual things? Now, before we leave the practical... Let's at least stop here and try to put something down that we can grab onto today for today's focus, right? Remember, I mean, I know this is supposed to only be 15 minutes, but this is probably going to go a full hour at this point, but that's okay. This is important stuff. I want you today to really look at your life and see what are you loathing? What, 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 what's the honey in the honeycomb that you're loathing, that you're taking for granted, and you're not really appreciating what you have? Because your soul is full because you have so much, but you're, you're, you're not appreciating it. You're not finding joy and contentment in it when you probably should, because some people don't have what you have. And then on what other areas and what other areas where you are hunger, you have a hunger that you are finding great enjoyment in the smaller things like how, what what how, at least just i don't know how to tell you to fix it per se but you at least need to be able to acknowledge where this is occurring at a practical level because it could say a lot about your life and maybe what your things you're struggling with all right so so at least do that now let's now flip it from the practical to the spiritual now does this work in the spiritual This commentary asks the question, and is this not so in spiritual things? Is this general principle that is true in life, is it also from a materialistic, physical way, is it true when we transfer it over to the spiritual? They go on to say this. Rich and increased in goods and having need of nothing loathes the honeycomb of the gospel. Now, what are they referencing there? Do you you get the reference? Rich and increased in goods and have need for nothing. Is that not in the book of Revelation? Is that not in the book of Revelation? I'm going to flip over here, see if we can find it in the book of Revelation. Revelation. Isn't that the church of Laodicea? Am am I right or am I wrong? There's the church of Ephesus. Okay. Uh, To the church of uh, Pergamos. We got that one. Okay. Uh, There's the church of Sardis. Okay. Let me see if I'm missing one here. Um, Church of Philadelphia. And then unto the church of the Laodiceans. Here we go. All right. And unto the, uh, and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, write, these things saith the amen, faithful and true witness of the beginning of the creation of the world. I know thy works that thou art neither cold nor hot, because if thou were cold or, or okay, let me read this again. For I know thy works that thou art neither cold nor hot, I would thou were cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. They, they're lukewarm. Now, is there a reason why they're lukewarm? Well, it looks here they're lukewarm to God. They're lukewarm to obviously spiritual things. They're neither cold nor hot. And now look at verse 17. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. They see that what all they have and they, what they have here is material things. They have rich and increased with goods and need nothing materially, physically. They have nothing. Now, in this particular case, they don't realize what they need. So this is, this is how they, this commentary, it borrows from this. It's borrowing from this. Um, so the Laodicean. They were saying, I'm rich and increased in goods and have need of nothing. And they loathed the honeycomb of the gospel. In other words, what led to this attitude towards spiritual things was because they had so many material things. So in this case, what they're saying is that when your soul is full of the material things, of the physical things, it can lead you to loathing the spiritual things. Well, once again, how do you fix this? Once again, this would lead to, well, then you get rid of all of that material things you get so that you then treat you and you don't loathe the honeycomb of the gospel. So just like in in a practical physical world, the more you have, the less you enjoy but the more you have physically, can lead you to despise that which is spiritual, or at least become completely lukewarm to it. Now, look what what Jesus says to the church at Laodicea, because this is very important. Because something very important happens here. He says, "Because you say you're rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest it's not. This is what they don't know: that thou art wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked." The point is, spiritually, they they see so much of their physical wealth and prosperity that they don't see their true spiritual condition. They don't know that they're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. So spiritually speaking, our physical prosperity, our, our material abundance can lead us to loathing spiritual. Because though we have so much, because we're looking at, it, I think, from a material standpoint. However, if you want to appreciate the spiritual more, then you have to see how hungry you really are spiritually. Until your eyes are open to, listen, spiritually, you are, let me read it to you again. Spiritually, you are wretched, miserable, poor, poor blind and naked. You have to see the reality of your spiritual life before you will hunger and find great satisfaction in the spiritual. You've got to, you have to have your eyes open. And sometimes this requires just daily acknowledgement of, man, I am miserable, poor, blind, naked when it comes to my spiritual life. I, I'm going to taste the sweetness of the gospel and it's going to increase my desire for that. Now, the problem is you can so grab onto the physical material that you have that you ignore your spiritual reality. But the more you see your spiritual reality, then guess what? You will hunger. You will find great satisfaction. And the smallest gospel elements, the the smallest truths of God will satisfy you because you know you need that and you know nothing else can satisfy. Let's... Let's go back and read this all together. And is is not this so in the spiritual things? The Laodicean professor, rich and increased in goods and having need of nothing, loathes the honeycomb of the gospel. Christ and his bitter sorrow is nothing to him while he passes by. His love excites no tenderness, his hope no interest. The consolations of God are small of little account. He can spare them without sensible loss. He reads the Bible only to, to grab on to its most precious truths, offensive as implying a ruin of which he has no apprehension and which he has no heart to contemplate. Thus, he nause- nauseates the most nourishing food, having no relish because he feels no need. Another case presents itself not less affecting. Fullness of bread Richness of spiritual ordinances does not always bring its corresponding appetite. May not saintly be as great a cur- curse as famine. Upon many a Christian professor, it is fearfully written, the full soul loathed the honeycomb. For more enviable is the hungry soul feeding upon unpalatable truths, yea, welcoming even bitter dispensations as medicine for the soul's health. The sweet of the gospel is known by this bitterness. It makes Christ sweet to the soul, a sinner in all his guilt. A savior is his perfect merit and love. Well, does the one answer to the other? Every view of Christ in bitter sin, every view of sin endears Christ. Nor is there any terror in the conviction that thus endears the Savior. A sense of want and a sense of guilt lay the foundation for solid confidence and happy privilege. When then is the genuine pulse of my religion? What then is the genuine pulse of my religion? Am I willing to receive the word and its bitterness? The bitter as well as the sweet, do I love its humbling spirituality, its self-denying requirements, subordinating every desire to a cheerful and unreserved obedience to my God, ready to walk in his narrowest path, to have my most secret corruption exposed, to have my conscience laid open to a sharp piercing of the two-edged sword. Oh, may my soul be preserved in this vigorous devotedness. Now that's very wordy. But I see the point that they are trying to derive, all right? Now, let me try to articulate all of that. And I read that kind of quick. But if I go back and try to break it down sentence by sentence, we'll be here for a couple of months. So let's just try to think this through. So practically, we've established the more you have, the less you appreciate. The less you have, the more you appreciate. So we need to consider our lives and which ways are we have a full soul and we are not appreciating and we're taking for granted and we're loathing that which we have. We probably need to you know, slap ourselves and go, "What are you doing?" And in what other ways do we find the the the, tr- the beautiful truth that we are hungry and we find great delight in these smaller things? Now, how does this relate to our spiritual life? Whether's. Well, Maybe a couple of ways. I don't know if they're kind of interlinked, so I don't know if I can separate them clearly. But let's think this through. The more we have materially, physically, the more we have in in that aspect of our life, a greater chance that we will loathe the spiritual, or we will take it for granted, or we will become lukewarm to it. We will not be passionate for it we won't, because we have so much. So we have all of these other things. We're finding greater satisfaction, greater comfort, greater contentment, and the material and the physical that we have. We pursue it. We desire it. We want it. We, we spend so much time thinking about it. We find ways to get money for it, whatever the case. That, that's what we need. We need these physical, 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 physical things. And without even knowing it, the spiritual becomes less and less, and less, and less, and less. That is a great danger. And I think we have to acknowledge that great danger. Also, it appears that we can have much in this life and that can lead us to finding comfort and blinding us to our true spiritual need. That sometimes our Physical and uh, and are having maybe we have so many, you know you can look up Maslow's hierarchy of needs and we have all of those needs being met in our life, physical, emotional, mental, you know, physiological, psychological. All of these needs are being met, and and so there's we become blind to our true spiritual condition. So on one hand, the more we have can make us almost loathe the spiritual because we don't really need it. So we almost become apathetic to it and we become lukewarm to it. On the other hand, all of that, all of our needs being met can make us not see our true spiritual condition can convince us that we're not miserable. We're not poor. We're not blind. We're not wretched. We're not na- naked. We, 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 we can come to a, we can come to a conclusion that we we're okay. So that's dangerous. So then we will, we will loathe the spiritual. And even though we say we don't, we technically do. We may give lip service to it. We may give some attention to it. But reality is we kind of loathe it. We take it for granted. We take the scriptures for granted. We don't love and cherish them. We're like the Israelites going, man, I'm so sick of manna. So from a spiritual standpoint, it seems to be the answer is we have to then really see ourselves our true spiritual conditions and our true spiritual condition is that we are wretched we are miserable we are poor we are blind we are naked and once we see that then we realize all of these all of Maslow's hierarchy of needs we may have intimacy mentally physically we may have all but guess what we still we we that that cannot fix our miserable, poor, blind, naked, spiritual condition. Those can't, it cannot fix it. So then we will hunger and thirst after righteousness. Then we will, we will take, we'll take all of God's word. Every bit of it. We will cherish it. We will love it. We will want more of it. Even the bitter things. be well, like I'll take whatever God will give me. Because we've been awoken to our true spiritual condition. Now again, this seems to lead to a kind of the, the solution then is, Hey, get rid of all of those material things so that you, 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 you want, won't be so blinded. I can understand that you have to process how that works, but I know the one thing that we can constantly try to do is be open and honest with what we really are spiritually. Sometimes it requires, who knows what will lead to it, but sometimes we wake up one day and it's like, boom, what are you doing? You poor, blind, miserable, naked, sinner. What are you? And then you're like, "Oh wow, I I need I need to, I need I need Christ, I need righteousness, I need forgiveness, I need His blood, I need His word." And then we start we start looking to that. Proverbs twenty seven seven. The full soul loatheth a honeycomb, but to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. Now, that commentary is not the best, right? I mean, oh, I mean, it's the best. It's a little wordy, it's using a lot of older English, so it's not super helpful, right? It's not super helpful, but I think we get the idea, right? I almost want to read it again but but I won't. I won't. I won't because I don't know if it, it, it's super helpful. Now if you would like a copy of that commentary I can I can provide it to you. Um but I went to if you if you want to know I went to gracegems gracegems.org I went to commentaries and I don't know which one this is. It's bridges on proverbs. Um and he has just a little couple of paragraphs on it that that are a little little wordy you you can you can kind of go with with what you want to do with that. I have other commentaries here that are much probably a little better, but I wanted to go with the older one first, so but there you have it. There you have it again, at the end, he ends with this i just just to at least read these last I'll read these last two paragraphs. Far more enviable is the hungry soul feeding upon unpalatable truths. Right? It's more enviable to be the hungry soul soul who's feeding upon truths that may not be so palatable, may, may not be so nice, may not be so sweet. It's better to be that hungry soul. You'll feed upon any truth, whether sweet or not. Yea, welcoming even bitter dispensations as the medicine for the soul's health, uh, for the soul's health. So another um, and it's written weird because there should be a period there because the very next word has a capital letter. But all right. So so that in other words, it's more enviable for you to be that hungry soul who you're you'll feed upon the most unpalatable truths, welcoming even bitter dispensations as the medicine for the soul. Like you'll take anything because you're so hungry and desperate. The sweet of the gospel is known by this bitterness. They're saying in some ways, the sweet of the gospel is known by this bitterness. In other words, when you are in such horrible, you you realize how bitter your situation is, then the gospel becomes much more sweet. When you are blind to your spiritual condition, full of yourself, then guess what? Then the gospel will not be as sweet. Um, it makes Christ sweet to the soul. What will make Christ sweet to the soul is to really see your poor, miserable, and blind. A sinner in all his guilt, a savior in his perfect merit and love. Well does the one answer to the other. Every view of Christ in bitter sin, every view of sin endears Christ. Right? Every view of Christ, the more you see Christ, the more you should see your sin. Every sin should then make Christ much more desirable and sweet. Nor is there any terror in the conviction that thus endears the Savior. A sense of want and a sense of guilt lay the foundation for solid confidence and happy privilege. So the more you see your sin, the more sweet Christ will become. And the more you will not take him for granted and you will not loathe him. But again, sometimes it's, your, it's all of the things that you're full of that can blind you to your spiritual condition. And then the last paragraph. What, then, is the genuine pulse of my religion? That's the question. What is the genuine pulse of your religion? Am I willing to receive the word and its completeness, the bitter as well as the sweet? Do I love its humbling spirituality, al- its self-denying requirements, subordining every desire to a cheerful and unreserved obedience to my God, ready to walk in his narrowest path, to have my most secret corruption exposed, to have my conscience laid open to the sharp piercing of the two-edged sword? Oh, May my soul be preserved and this vigorous devotedness. And I think the point is, is what is the pulse of my religion? Is The pulse of my religion is that I so see the reality of me that I then can only find consolation, contentment in Christ because that's the only hope for my wretchedness and my poorness and how miserable I am. Now, what we have a tendency to do is we go find everything else to fill our soul, to feel, to meet all of our needs. And then we just forget how miserable and poor and blind we are, which seemed to be the church of laodicea They couldn't see their real condition because of their material things. Well, you can go get everything you want in this life. You can get it. You may want it. You may desire it. And you get it. And you grab on it. But listen, sooner or later, the miserable, wretched state of your spiritual life is going to then destroy the sweetness of what you have. How do you balance all of that out? That is your today's focus. Let me read it to you. One more time, I just closed my Bible, but then I thought, let well, just read it to one more time. The full soul loatheth a honeycomb, but to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. I place that in your capable hands today. Meditate, think, look at it from every, pers- put it in the light. Look at it from every perspective, struggle with it. Talk about it amongst yourselves. Just have normal conversation about it today, or you can email me newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone, have a great day. And that is your today's focus for Saturday, October the 28th, 2023. May God bless you as you meditate on His Word.